This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 53 of the Laravel News Podcast. I want to start out today's podcast by letting you know, first of all, you may hear a little of this, which means <laughs> I'm playing with the Rubik's Cube. We just started the recording and I was like, Michael, I have not done a Rubik's Cube in the last like three weeks. I got to go make sure I can still do it. So I've been playing around with it a little bit. I was a little bit worried because I buggered it up, as you guys would say. In you buggered Land. it up. <laughs> I buggered it up, right? Beautiful. Okay, speaking of speaking of Aussie land, uh, yeah. I also sent you a video, and this is of utmost importance. So I wanted to start off the show with this top of the show. You guys call water balloons water bombs. Is that water bombs? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it depends on on where which part of Australia you come from. We have some, yeah, I guess dialects. You find that their eastern states have a bit more of a twang than what. Um, us non-convicts do in South Australia. So. <laughs> non-convicts. So That's is right. that guy that I sent you that video of, is he a bogan? Uh, he would be pretty close to what we would consider to be a bogan, yeah. Oh, no. He seems like such a nice guy, though. I'm sure a, he's lovely. A good a good father. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll teaching put, his kids how to put helium balloons into the fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That looks like something my kids would love to do. Like they're always forever trying to throw stuff on the fan and they're like, dad, turn oh, the yeah. fan on. I mean, my <laughs> grunt, my son, he'll like take his shirt off and like throw it up on the fan. I'm like, dad, turn on the fan. Good times. Good times. So we're going to have to try that. So it's feel, filling up helium balloons and then letting them float up to the ceiling and then turning your fan like on reverse so that it sucks air down from the ceiling and then watching all the balloons pop into the fan blades and go all over the place and then get sucked back into them again over and over. Looks pretty fun. It's out of control. Yeah, might have to give that a try. All right. So also I wanted to talk a little bit real quickly about um, uh, we've got some other stuff we can talk about. Okay, let's just talk about this real quick. Laracon Online is coming up February 7th. Mm-hmm. You excited about that? Anything going on? Fun? Are you hosting like a get along or get together like viewing party at all? It's a bit trickier for us here because it starts at like 1am. Uh, that's right. That's right. So, no, we we won't. I don't think we will be having any viewing parties here. But I did see that uh, Eric tweeted earlier today that there are, I think, 17 different viewing parties around the world. Most of them in the, in the Northern Hemisphere because it's more time zone appropriate. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Northern I mean, it's hemisphere. not really. Yeah, it's not really a northern hemisphere thing. It's just that everything's sort of more bunched together there. The time zone isn't as different as what it is in Australia and New Zealand, and I guess parts of Southeast Asia. Sure, sure, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We're having a viewing party in Normal, Illinois, Bloomington, Normal, yeah, Illinois. 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 So if, you've, if you've never been to Normal, you should come down. Come down and give us a visit. We've got spots. So if you're from Chicago, feel free to make the drive. I did that one time. Jordan and I, we drove up to Chicago and that was when Samantha Geitz was actually working at Packback Books, not Uh with Titan. And so we went up and met her for the first time and she was like, you guys drove all the way from Bloomington Normal? Like, yeah. She's like, wow. Okay. We were learning about (laughs) testing. It was well worth it. It was fun. So anyway, 
unrun it up yeah, with so, my friend. Yeah, definitely check out laracon.net if you are interested in seeing if there is a viewing party in your area. It looks like yeah. there's some in all over the world. So 17 of them. Uh, if you're throwing one, let Laracon online know so that they can put your details up on the Laracon website as well. Yeah, and uh, I used uh, picatick.com, which is what Laracon US uses to sell their tickets through. And mm-hmm. there's like mm-hmm. a free thing you can do. And that's how I set mine up. And it's really fast, really simple. And you can give tickets away to people and see who's coming and, and blah, blah, blah. So instead yeah. of having to set up a special site or anything. So picatick.com, great thing. Speaking of Laracon stuff, Laracon AU, yeah. how's that going? Yeah, great. I was planning on on launching the website last week, but I also had a little bit of a heads up that Laracon US were making their big speaker announcement and uh, yeah. getting ticket sales up. So I figured I would get swallowed in the news cycle if I did that. So Monday, the 22nd of January in Australia. So your Sunday up okay. there, we will uh, launch the website. So by the time this podcast goes out, the website will have launched. It will have our initial speaker announcements on it. Two locked in still. The third one is still getting very close. But hopefully <laughs> by the time this is out, they will have either fully committed or fully withdrawn from speaking. So definitely two, hopefully three will be announced by the time you hear this. And then we'll I'll keep the newsletter or the mailing list up and running for a couple of days just so people can really, like now that we've got the venue will be announced, the dates will be announced, the speakers will be announced, the hotel will be announced. And then I'll give it a few days and then I will send out uh, emails to the mailing list for uh, early bird pricing and that. So if you want early bird pricing, um, you will have about a day or two by the time this comes out to to get yourself on that list so that you can get on as soon as possible. Yeah, the website's looking really good as well. Steve Sugar put a couple like uh, teaser things out there and it mm-hmm. looks awesome. Looks really, really good. So I'm excited to see it live on the web. Yeah. Yep, I'm just putting the finishing touches on that this weekend. Okay, so speaking of Laracon US speakers, what was the big announcement this week? So the big announcement this week... Hold on, hold on. I know what it was. I know what it was. Okay. Oh, you tell me. Go on. TJ Miller is speaking at Laracon. TJ Miller. TJ Miller. The the legendary... That was the big announcement, right? That was the big one. There was a secondary one too, but the big one was TJ. He was definitely the headline speaker. Yeah. If you're going to to Chicago, you are going to love learning about what oh, I won't I won't spoil it for him but you're going to love learning about what what TJ is going to talk about this year yep. and congratulations on being a first time speaker as well yeah I think that's why the ticket sales just went through the roof right probably mm-hmm. 100% we're of, we're of course speaking in jest here uh who is actually the big uh, the big announcement uh so the the big announcement is Robert C Martin if you are unfamiliar with that name uh, he's he's generally referred to as Uncle, Uncle Bob. Bob. He he runs a consulting firm called Uncle Bob Consulting. He was one of the co-authors of the original Agile Manifesto. He wrote Clean Code, The Clean Coder, Clean Architecture. He's been around for decades, really. And his his teachings and his, I guess, techniques and ideas have, have been around um, in a lot of different programming communities for a long, long time. So really excited to, to have him speaking at this year's Laracon. Absolutely. Yeah, that should be awesome. I think a lot of people are going to be bringing their books. There's probably going to be like a signing party, you know, 
Uncle Bob yep. signing all the clean clean coding. That's the one that I have. Clean code. I think yeah. I have both of them. Both of them. So yep. anyway, uh, yeah, bring those books, get them signed, bring a big Sharpie marker for Uncle Bob to sign those with. And uh, yeah. looking forward to meeting him there this year. That should be really cool. So that was it awesome. It should be really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's at the, the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. It's a two-day event running on Wednesday the 25th and Thursday the 26th of July. Everyone that attends gets access to the museum as well. So if you, you know, get some time between talks or if you want to go and check out parts of the museum if, if there's time before and after the conference, uh, definitely get around that. It looks like a really, really cool venue. Have you have you been there before, Jake? Being I think I have. It's been a long time though. I think I think you the think last time have. I went there I was I think I have. I think it was my senior year of high school that I went there. Uh-huh. But it's been a long time. So I, I couldn't sure. I was gonna say like, oh, it's a really cool science, you know, place, and I, it, I'm sure it is. I just I, I can't speak intelligently about it because I literally don't remember a lot. Sure. And so, anyway, it's gonna be an awesome venue. It always is, but it should be really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all the uh, Laracon related news that we have for this episode. Uh, let's I think see so, what yeah. else. Yeah, let's see what else we got going on here. Okay, so it looks like we've got Laravel 5.5.29 that was released. I think we've got maybe like three or four things to talk about on this one. Uh, so let's mm-hmm. talk about the thing that Adam Wathen was tweeting about today, which is the double escape that was introduced in 5.5.29. Did you get a chance to see that and kind of understand what it was that's going on there? Yeah, I saw the the tweet that he'd put out, but I didn't realize that it was related to a new feature that was pushed or a, or changes that was made to the framework. Yeah, so basically what he was saying is, so essentially what was added in is you now have the ability to, the option to double encode escaped strings. And then you can, there's a blade compiler you can tell it just like you can do. I think you can set what type of brackets you want to use to escape uh, escape things or whatever. You can kind of set some options there. You can do blade yep. compiler colon colon double encode, which just means that when blade receives uh, like a, a string to encode or whatever, it's going to do it twice. It's going to JSON encode or JSON decode it, whatever is it, whatever it is. Which one's going to be? Uh, <laughs> JSON <laughs> encode it. Okay, there we go. So this is in examples where you would perhaps be initializing your view components with some JSON data in your blade template. Yeah, exactly. So what so what the a default JSON encode would do is if you if you happen to have a rogue HTML quote inside your database, for example, if a user put a quote in there and you and it was translated. Like an HTML um, entity, right? Yeah, like, like an HTML and, entity. And quote quote yeah, colon, yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, view would blow up because it wouldn't actually be able to render the the json that he had passed into the into the component because it wouldn't be able to tell the difference from the json quotes and and the quotes that were in that string so using the double encoding basically it helps you out in those cases yeah and what they were what adam was saying in some of the comments was like this really should be like i he was like i can't think of any reason why you wouldn't do this and so Mm -hmm. a couple people were saying well why isn't this like a default now why isn't the blade compiler double encode method like by default and he was saying like it's a breaking change you know if if somebody was counting on it rendering like that with the you know html character entity it could break uh backwards compatibility but definitely yeah moving forward this is something that could definitely save you a lot of head pounding uh, you know Mm. it's it's one of those things that could be really tricky to kind of chase down why exactly it's happening especially if it's not 
happening all the time, if it only happens every very rarely, because this is not something yeah. that normally would make it into your database, right? Like the and quote semicolon is not normally going to make it in there, but it might. Mm. So yeah, just something to be aware of. And uh, moving forward, just throw that in your app service provider, the blade compiler, colon, colon, double encode, and uh, it should be all set. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's this migration thing? So Jason uh, McCreary, uh, JMac. Uh, introduced a pull request to allow Studly case to be used in addition to snake case when creating a new migration. So uh, when you create a migration from the command line, you'd say PHP artisan, make migration. And then you could say something like create users table or something like that. Mm -hmm. And normally yep. the way you do that is using snake case. You'd say create underscore users underscore table. But what Jason McCreary pull requested is the ability to do that using Studly case as well. So you'd be able to say, create user table, but with under, instead of underscores, you would just uh, use uppercase letters. For so, each word, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's that. Talk to us about this die and dump returning 500. So we both looked at that and we're kind of confused. Like, what? Why, why would die dump be returning 500? There's a very specific reason, though. Can you explain that for us? Yeah. So it looks like as of version 62 of Chrome, if, you're, if you return a, a DD, in your, for example, a JSON response is is probably a good example. If you were making an AJAX call and your endpoint wasn't doing something right, so you were trying to DD the output, when it was rendered in the the response preview, it would just render as HTML. So you'd get this whole um, swag of unrendered HTML that essentially is used to display your your dump and die. With the change that's that's been introduced basically makes the DD return a 500 status code, which the, the Chrome preview will then show correctly. So you'll be able to actually look at that, that DD response. So this is something that I'd noticed and I figured it was just, you know, the way that it was. Um, so it was good that, that this was fixed up, makes it easier to, to debug those JSON issues now. Instead Same of here, having I, to like, yeah, instead of having to find like the URL and then opening that in a new tab just so you can get the DD output. Yeah, I had that same exact problem. Like I had that same problem this week. I was like, what the heck? I thought it used to do that. And, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to do it some other way. Yeah. But yeah, nice job. Thank you for doing that. Uh, let's see, who was it? Let's give him some credit here. It is. This one's going to be, uh, this will be a good, good one for you to pronounce, Jake. <laughs> Lena Spassiv. <laughs> Lena Spashviestis, I reckon. Oh, I was just looking at his. I was looking at his uh, username. Uh, okay, yeah, his, his username, actual yeah. name, Linus Pashtviestis. Oh my! I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna put. The, I wonder if you can put this into like Google Pronouncer or something. Is that a thing? <laughs> no, it's Lithuanian. I think. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for doing that, Linus. 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 Appreciate it. Nice job. Okay, uh, what else? I thought there was one more thing that we wanted to talk about. Maybe not. Maybe that was all. Uh, the other thing that, that was added was a, a very small change, but it added the S3 protocol for URL validation. So if you, oh, were, sure. uh, if you were dropping a S3 colon slash slash URL into Laravel's validator, uh, if you're using the URL validation previously, it would have not passed validation. So it now does support that. Awesome. Okay. Um, moving on here, uh, there was a great article that Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, wrote on Laravel News this week. It was Laravel model caching. So good possibility that if you've been using Laravel for any amount of time, you are leveraging the caching that Laravel provides out of the box. And 
there's a number of different ways that you can do caching, right? There's, there's a ton. Uh, but the tutorial that Paul gave here really gave you an excellent way to be able to cache Laravel models or related relationships and to bust that cache automatically when you update that model. So mm -hmm. it relates to having a, any kind of teaches you in the tutorial how to make a trait that you could apply to any model that you wanted to do this with, where you would have a, a method you'd call get cache key, which essentially combines like the table as well as the ID of the item that you're using and then the timestamp, the updated at timestamp. And then when the timestamp gets touched, right, it updates that timestamp. And so then the cache will be busted for that automatically. Um, so even for related models, right? So his example that he uses, he has an article and then he has a comments. And uh, on the article, he has something called like comment count, right? And so if the comments gets updated or if a new comment is added, there's like, how do you touch the article, right? And so he talks about using the touches property on the comments. Uh, in any case, it's a great read. If you do caching of any sort and you want a way to do it, like not in your controller, but instead on the model, this is, this is a great, great read. You should check it out. So I didn't do it justice by trying to explain it. Never do. I'm not very good at that, but <laughs> you get the idea. And I was just in a situation where I was looking at this, where I was doing some caching in a controller and I was like, I wish there was a better way to do this. And there is. So thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah, there is. It's a, I mean, it's something that used to be included in the framework where you could cache your, your model responses by default. I think it's been gone since early version five. Really? So. I don't remember yeah. that. You used to be able to remember your queries. So uh, it has been gone for quite a while now. It's nice. This is a nice way of doing it. I've, I've implemented something similar. Uh, this is probably a bit tidier because I was using a debug backtrace and caching the method name that was called and then MD5ing it to, you know, generate a fingerprint for the call. Sure, sure. Using, you know, the table name and the, and the database key is probably a, a simpler way of doing it as soon as you've already got that information on hand. Right. So yeah, thanks, Paul. Yeah, very, very well written, as always. Let's see, let's talk about Odir a little bit. You said you're using this. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so Odir is a, a website and SSL monitoring application that was built by Freik van der Herten and Matthias Genia. I'm sure that I may have got that one wrong. <laughs> um, but You, this you is put a blemish on your otherwise perfect record. Yeah, oh. Matthias Genia. Close, close. Um, yeah. So Odea is, a, as I said, is a website and SSL monitoring application that, that they've been working on for probably about six or seven months now. And the, the crux of the, of the problem was that a simple uptime monitor isn't, isn't enough. So this application, Odea, lets you do mixed content checks. So if you've got a SSL or a TLS website, it will run through all of your pages. It will crawl through your site and make sure that you haven't got any pages referencing HTTP links. Uh, which was helpful for myself. I had a, a few images on, on my own blog that I went through and was able to then find that they were HTTP, Cloudflare now supports, uh, sorry, Droplet now supports HTTPS. So I was able to update those links and, and get that back to green. But it also does certificate health checking and a whole lot of other stuff. You can notify yourself via a whole bunch of different methods. So you can use uh, you know, Nexmo or Slack or, or just plain old email to do that. One thing I did find as I'm using Cloudflare on my website is that the certificates change reasonably often because of the way that they're shared between multiple domains. So anytime Cloudflare adds another 
domain to that certificate, it reissues it. And uh, I, I got three or four notifications in the space of a couple of days that the certificate had changed. So I'm not sure what what the go is there or how one would go about it. Yeah, what's a good way around that? I don't even know if there is a great way. I mean, maybe if there was like some sort of, maybe if, if they recognized that it was Cloudflare, they put like a little bit less, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I have no idea. No. The, no, that mixed not, not content sure, stuff is pretty cool though. That's a great idea. Yeah, that is super helpful. You know, and sometimes it's unavoidable. We're, we're at a stage now where most things are available over, you know, TLS. So there's always going to be a HTTPS link. But sometimes you might slip slip a, a HTTP link in there, or you'll just miss the S when you're when you're typing a URL in, for example. So it's good to have that. You don't want those warnings coming up, especially as they're getting a little bit more apparent to end users. You know, visitors yeah. coming to your website. They're starting. I think Chrome is starting to be a bit more obnoxious about notifications of those mixed content things. So best to to get notified about it before you know you start turning away users from your website because they've got these these scary warnings coming up yeah for sure and i don't know if there's any like i don't i've not looked at any tools that kind of do that for you like this is the f- i'm sure there's something i'm sure there's some things out there that would do mm. something that like that for you yeah yeah but very cool but it, yeah it looks like they're still actively developing it freak has has been tweeting a bit this week with new features that are being added and enhancements and things like that so yeah as you said jake congrats and well done thank you very much for that you can yeah. you can check it out at odearapp.com. So O H D E A R A P dot com. And it is on built on a heavily modified version of Spark. Laravel yeah. Spark. So uh, that's cool too. Um, let's see. We got a couple of things here. I thought I would mention this real quick uh, for any of you who have to use SQL drivers. I believe this is gonna be Paul, I think. I'm sure it is because Paul Mm -hmm. is just a beast with this stuff. It is Paul. In fact, it is Paul. So Paul has a tutorial out there for installing Microsoft SQL drivers in PHP 7 in Docker. So that if if that is something that piques your interest or something that sounds interesting to you, be sure to go check out that article. I know that Microsoft people don't get a lot of love these days sometimes. You know what I mean? VS Code is like a huge thing right now, right? That's all Microsoft, which is kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. I've been using it a little bit. Have you been using VS Code much? Uh, I tried to. Um, I used it most of December, but I fell back into Sublime Text. So yeah, I, I I did spend a bit of time going through the the Laracar series and and Caleb's blog post about how he's got it all set up. But there were just I don't know. It was just a couple of things that didn't sit right with me, and it was nothing obvious, nothing specific. It's just I've been using Sublime for so long now. I'm comfortable with it. You know, I don't really need to jump into another editor i didn't even renew my php storm subscription last year so blasphemy (laughs) shame on you yeah no i've been trying out vs code as well but it's like i already i still have sublime installed so it's like it's kind of annoying when i look through Mm -hmm. my tabs and i'm like i have sublime and vs code and php storm open it's like ugh. Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i need to basically just commit to one and uninstall the other one or something i don't know if i can like archive the one so i can't access it or something maybe that'd be good yeah just make me use the yeah, v- so a, I use VS Code like decision and commit. Whenever I'm gonna make like quick changes, I just like like jump in in my uh, in my command line. I just jump to the the uh, folder of the project I'm working on and just code dot and then I'll open it up in VS Code. Yeah. Uh, if it's just like a quick change, if it's just something I need to look at real fast, um, otherwise I use PHP Storm. But if it's something yeah. quick, you use Storm. Come on, Jake. 
No, 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 no. It's not. If it's something not quick, like if I'm gonna be oh, digging into quick. the project and if I'm gonna be working on it for a while, right. I use PHP Storm. If I'm just, it's, if it's just quick change, it's just VS Code. So yeah, if I'm if I'm making quick changes, I'm just using Vim. Like that is, I've 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 essentially just reverted to that Vim and Sublime Text for most of my day to day work. Yeah, I can I can respect that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I've been using Vim quite a bit recently too, actually a lot. Mm. I've been I've been on servers a lot recently. And so, yeah, I, yeah. I really like Vim. I don't know. I probably need to spend a little more time investing in like learning all the shortcuts right now. I feel like I know enough to be dangerous, but, uh, you know, I don't know all the super crazy time saving stuff. That's like, makes it amazing. So there, there are a couple of things with Vim where I will do something instinctively, like the fingers know where to go. But when I have to stop and think how I did that and I just look at the keyboard and I look at my fingers and I'm trying to retrace my steps and, and it doesn't work. So yeah, it's so like tell me like what are the what are the things that you end up using a lot in Vim? So like J to down, K to up. I mean do you ever use mm-hmm. the arrows in Vim or no? I do. Uh, and it's mostly because I didn't have Vim bindings in Sublime for a long time. Okay. And so it was just natural to to use the arrows. I'm starting to use HJKL a bit more. I always use WMB to go forwards and backwards. Okay. Like to skip forward words. W sure, sure. goes forward a word. B goes back a word. I always use, you know, delete to end of word, delete to character. What is delete to end to of character. word? What is that? What's delete to so end you of do, word? If you do DW... It will delete to the delete end of word. the next word. Okay. Um, if you do DF space, it will delete up to and including the next space character. And then will um, it like put you? It will it put you like in insert mode, or does it just take that word out? No, no. So it just that stays in normal mode. If you want to go into insert mode, you do C, C e right or for CF change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For change, yeah. Um, and then you can do like this modifier, so you can go C two F, and that will oh, change yeah. C two F space. We'll go, you know. Go to the second space and then go into insert mode. So there's just what's a lot the of things like for? that. Do you know what the F stands for? It's like C2F. What's the F? I don't know what it stands for, um, but it's basically <laughs> um, if you use um, what what so like what would happen if you just said C2 space? If you Does do C2 just... space, it will change to so it will put you at the start of that space, whereas F will include the space. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's yeah there's there's a lot of just little things like that that your fingers fly over the keyboard. I, I want to invest a bit more time in learning the bindings a bit better because I'm sure there are even quicker shortcuts to, to deal with that kind of stuff because I, I find myself sitting there going, all right, one, two, three, four spaces, right? And then like I've got to count the four spaces, so there's got to be a nicer way of doing that. Sure. A lot of the times I'll use visual select, so I can do, you know, V, W, W, you know, three words and then C to... Ah, interesting. Oh man, I gotta try that right now. So yeah, I mean, there's a whole whole lot of things like that. Um, especially some of some of our environments, they don't exist in version controls. So I put my cowboy hat on and I go on Change Code Live. Yep, (laughs) I've had to do that a couple of times uh, this week. I hate to say that, but it's true. Mm -hmm. I had to like go into a server that's like it's like not being used by a whole lot of people anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like live coding on that thing using Vim. So. Yeah, it's nice. It's definitely a nice tool to have in your tool belt. Yeah. I would feel really, uh, I would not be happy if I didn't know it. No. Well, I, I essentially spent my first six years of development in Vim. Um, so I'm nice. But I, and I never learned it properly. It wasn't until, you know, 
three or four years ago that I started learning more and more of the shortcuts. Whereas before it was just, you know, very basic stuff like deleting lines and yeah. But I, I spent much of my formative development years in, in Vim. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do like, do you ever do any of your, uh, Vim RC? I'm sure you don't like when you have like a server, you don't ever do any customization of the Vim on there because it's just like, you know, it's a server. Mm. It depends. Some servers I do. I've got a dot files repo that I that I pull in and I can and and get that kind of set up. But it's not yeah. really configured. We use CentOS for our servers at work, whereas most of my stuff is set up to work with either Mac or or Ubuntu. So yeah, I don't don't run the dot files repos on those servers. Yeah, one thing that's annoying is like I go into a server and it's like I don't have line numbers. Which yeah, is annoying. It's really annoying. I mean, it's always always. I mean, I can know, see it in the bottom right of the window. Are. Yeah, I can yeah, yeah. see him, but but then trying to remember, you know, set shift width, set tab stop, set auto indent, set smart indent, so all, and then you end up doing all these things. He's like, maybe I should just copy my VMRC across and uh, and get on with it. But yeah, anyway, that has right. nothing to do We've with spent anything. Too much time on this. <laughs> okay, so uh, last thing we had on our list here today is Bootstrap four. So the yeah. Bootstrap Bootstrap four stable was released. Finally, which is awesome. I mean, how long have they been working on this? Four years in the years. making? Years. Uh, I don't know that it's four years. I know Not it's definitely years. been at least Sorry. two. I was just reading it. It um, says Bootstrap 4 stable is years in the making. I read that as four yeah. years in the making. That's not true. Yeah, it's definitely been, I reckon, two. It may have been three. But it's it's great for, what's his name? MDO, one of the, the original developers behind it. And they look, they've spent so much time on it. They have really, I think, thought about the direction that they're taking it in, and and there's, you know, it's very different to Bootstrap three, so it's not going to be a straightforward migration. I wouldn't try and take your Bootstrap three site and migrate it to Bootstrap four. Um, I'd start new projects with it. If I was going to go from three to four, I'd probably start from scratch, really. So, yeah, and they're, and they're starting to pull in bits and pieces of you know the utility classes into bootstrap as well so yeah um, it a lot seems of those like things that are popular elsewhere yeah like in in their documentation it says like, whenever possible use utilities over custom styles utility classes are powerful ally in combating css bloat and poor page performance so they i mean they're recognizing that and it seems like they're they're adopting that you know that idea so that's cool some mm. of this stuff like tailwinds and tachyons some of that stuff is is sticking these this these larger frameworks so that's definitely a welcome change the grid is quite a bit different like you said like it, you'd have a very difficult time like migrating from a a, a bootstrap three project mm. but yeah there are definitely some things that are that are quite a bit different i think a good read over the documentation would get you caught up but uh yeah and the, the other other thing that's good to see is that they have actually plotted milestones for the 4.1.2.3 and version 5 releases. Version, version 5? five it's, yeah, version 5 is more around capturing ideas that don't really fit into the scope of, of the current version. But it's good to see that they've set milestones and, you know, they've, they've at least planned out that they want to have these versions so they don't, I guess, stagnate as much as they did with, with version 3. So... Um, yeah, congratulations to to the team that that have you know really got this back into the forefront and and released. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of new uh, projects out there in the wild very soon. Yeah, and they've got a really good examples page as well. 
a really good examples page, which with like custom components and uh, all sorts of things that are, are definitely things that you've done a hundred times. So you can yeah. just go look at their examples page and get some really good ideas for how you would do this particular thing. So yeah, all sorts of great stuff. So I, I would definitely check that out. And I'm really excited to actually use this on a real project. All the stuff that we have right now in our building is Bootstrap 3. All of it. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Bootstrap 3. So uh, I'm not sure. I don't know what I need to do. Yeah. I know there's Bootstrap 4 preset is, for uh, Laravel. Yeah, all of our internal stuff is is Bootstrap 3 as well. So the the developer that, that built most of that stuff is pretty excited about Bootstrap 4. I don't know how excited they're going to be once they realize that it's not a straightforward migration. And I really, <laughs> right. really hope that we don't end up with like a combination of 3 and 4 somehow. Right, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I'll definitely use it at some point in the future. Yeah. Okay, what else do we got? We got anything else here? Let's, look at, let's, no, we, let's look at some community links real quick here. Uh, let's suffice it to say this. There is a lot of really good information out there. A lot of really good posts. I mean, seriously, the, the page just goes on and on and on and on and on. There's so much good stuff out there. So definitely check it out. There's some, there's some interesting ones on there. There's a lot of tutorials on there. And there's nothing, I think, that we could communicate verbally that you would not yeah, get better value out of reading the articles definitely check it out it's at laravel-news.com forward slash links check it out every now and then submit your own links there definitely try and use some catchy titles and we or, or even reach out to us if yeah you do that something you think might be interesting do that if you're a listener of the podcast and you put an article on there let us know and we'll talk about it it'd be awesome yeah i think that's it i think that's all it has been a good episode. It is uh, almost midnight here, and I'm gonna go hit the hay. I worked out today. I'm so I'm really Did tired. You? Aren't aren't you proud of me? Yeah. I worked out today. I am. I've been I've working been, out. I've been a back at here. it. Yeah, I've been back at it myself three weeks. I've I've set some slightly different goals this time around. A little bit more realistic, more around just being active every day, more so than like getting to the gym. You know, yeah, just like and I'm and I'm not. I'm not lifting heavy weight. I'm not pushing myself because it seems that the last couple of years that, you know, I really wanted to make a big push and I got into a good rhythm with it all. My body just packed it in. You know, I've had problems with my knees and, and things like that. So yeah, that's a good, good rhythm. And then you don't realize it because you feel good until your body just gives in. Um, so not pushing it, not lifting too much, not not running too far, not doing too much too often but i'm i'm trying to hit my uh my apple watch goals every day and I yeah think i'm probably on a three-week streak now four-week streak nice. so that's yeah, awesome. keeping at it and uh see if i can break my my streak from last year which was about 78 days that fell apart when i flew to the u.s for laracon because oh, i no. lost some time <laughs> like um, running around in, the airport because you're, yeah. yeah yeah i lost i lost some time in transit so oh bummer um, but it's all right. I'll, I'll see if I can make up for it this year. There you go. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm a total wimp. So we were doing T25 tonight and I was like doing the modified version. So I was like uh-huh. so, so, so tired when we were supposed to be doing pushups. I'm like on my knees doing pushups because I was so exhausted. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm working on it though. I'm hey, working on it. it. That's right. It's only going to get easier. That's right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to episode 53. Uh, if you like this episode, you can find show notes for it at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 53. If you like the show, please feel free to rate us up in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at Laravel News 
or at our personal Twitter accounts at Michael Dorinda or at Jake Bennett. Thank you again, Mr. Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human for all the wonderful articles you write and all the wonderful stuff you do and to all of our other content producers. Thank you for the community links. Thank you everybody for all that you do. Taylor for putting together Laracon and uh, Eric and Ian for Laracon online. I can't wait for that. That's going to be coming up really quick. Make sure you get your tickets for that. Uh, you'll be missing out for sure if you don't attend. So make sure you grab yeah. those. Thanks everybody for listening. Michael, you got anything else? I've got nothing else. All right. I've covered everything. All right. Sounds good. Thanks everybody. We'll see you in a couple weeks. See you all. Bye.